FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode... 312 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. I'm, of course, your host, Jason Venable, and I'm joined once again by half of the Escala Bros, Georgie. Hey, Georgie. Hey, what's up? Not much. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Oh, yeah, let's just make it all uh, Christmas songs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, well, a couple of disclaimers. Um, you might hear some uh, infant noises in the background, so just roll with that. Um, he shouldn't be up too much longer, but he's having fun on his play mat next to me. Um, so if some of that bleeds into my headset, I apologize, but uh, like I said, I just got to go with it. Um, the other thing, I do want to apologize. Um, pretty good delay, more than usual, between episodes. Um, part of that is I am recovering from our house getting struck by lightning. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, we had a really bad storm on Christmas, and um, got a little a little shock. So I've been slowly re- uh, replacing and repairing some items that got jacked up. But um, anyway, so I can record on anything that doesn't require an input, such as Skype, <laughs> because it's all internal to the computer. But I haven't been able to record with Denise and I until I get some new microphones and stuff, because some of that stuff got fried so um so but we'll get a new episode out soon i'm working on the the final replacements and solutions for all that stuff and so uh should be back in business pretty quick into the new year and we'll get get back to the uh the wolvie award nominations with denise and and all that fun stuff but uh but luckily doesn't impact skype because it's all inside the machine so (laughs) i'm just wondering now if like you're Someone in your your family is secretly a mutant, and Cassandra Nova had control of Storm and sent her out <laughs> to you guys. Yes, yep. Storm, uh, Storm shot my my roof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was fun. Um, you know, fried our our main modem, so we were without internet oh, a couple of days. A um, couple of my TVs got fried. Um, Waiting for someone to come check out the dishwashers. So, you know, hashtag first world problems, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, guess, I mean, I guess. But that's still, wow, that's a lot of damage, man. Yeah. I think it's it's going to be not enough to claim anything. Because oh, really? Comfortable. No. Oh. But I would just, I would, all I would do is pull my insurance rates higher. <laughs> By making Isn't that ridiculous? And still being out of pocket. Yeah. I don't get that. I had, to go off on a tangent here, I had my car broken into twice here in L.A. And both times insurance was like, yeah, you know, there's still the deductible. We can't really pay for anything anyway. And it's, at some point you're like, what is, why do we even have insurance if they're not right, covering right. it? <laughs> yeah. Emmett agrees. He's like, what the hell is that about? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but um, oh man, so uh, so Dan cannot join us this week. He is uh, 
partying hardy uh, for the holidays. Um, and but we got a big old stack of books to cover in in various levels of detail. But still, I think it's like one, like thirteen books or something like that. Really? Oh so, my goodness! I wonder yes. if I read all, all these. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up some, a couple of books, uh, start a book or two, carry on with some books. Um, before we get too far into our normal comics, uh, I did want to mention uh, the penultimate issue of Exiles, um, just because, you know, I don't get a chance to, to go over that with you guys too much, and we won't go into too much detail because I'm assuming... You guys will have an episode coming out very soon talking about it. Yep. But yep. Um, just so I can give my two cents, <laughs> and, and Emmett's two cents, um, <laughs> you know, number 11, uh, apparently now out of 12. Um, how, just real quick, how loud is that? Is that, like, super obnoxious? It's it's loud. We can hear oh, it for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. You want your passy? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, All right. Exiles 11 uh, storytellers. There's Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez with inks by Alvaro Lopez, uh, colors by Mustafa Vicente, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover by DNA David Nakayama um, with recap art by David Marquez, which... That's just the cover from what what number one or two I think. Uh, fairly early on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So on this cover for eleven, we have Con with an uh, iPad of people she's going to take out, and according to this, she's erased our Exiles team except for Blink. <laughs> hey, buddy. Um. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool cover by Mr. Nakayama. Um, so basically... <laughs> ah, the relief is here. Going to the bullpen. Yeah, he, he just wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> if Dan can't be here, we need to have someone uh, with, the, with the same sort of passion. Right, right. Well, it's kind of like uh, Magneto got turned into a baby. Uh, Dan, we... I forgot to mention we turned Dan into a baby. Wait a second. Um, Did you guys conceive Dan? Is that what happened? <laughs> Whoa, that just went uh, really meta. Um, what was it? So the first <laughs> – we're going to chase a lot of rabbits, and we probably need to rein this in. But um, the first Avengers I ever read was from a, a box of comics that I got as a kid um, that uh, Cameron and I got and divvied up, and it was Avengers 200. Which is when Carol Danvers gets like. No, not yet. Um, gets uh, like a uh, baby Jesus, like uh, gets pregnant without. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. And, and gives birth to, um, uh, I guess was eventually Immortus. I don't remember. It was very, it was a very weird issue to have be your first Avengers comic. Um, it's the part of Carol Danvers' history that is really troublesome. <laughs> I, yes. Yeah, it really is. So anyway, I don't I don't know why I was 
So, oh yeah, because having Dan as a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So um. Anyway, back to Exiles number eleven. Um. You know, basically the gist and uh, yeah, Scalabros go into more detail on their show, but basically, uh, Khan has assembled a group of counterpart exiles. Uh, because they've all been promised something by the Watchers. You, of course, want to, to eat our exiles. Um, and, you know, they fight. There's lots of cool little fights. They eventually decide that, hey, the only way we can win this is to not fight our counterparts. we got to switch it up. Um, I love Wolvie versus X two-thirds. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, wait, we don't have to fight. We can play instead. I always wanted a sister. And, but then she beats him up, which is sad. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, they eventually kind of get out of it. Uh, Khan decides that she can't kill her ex-teammates or, or turn them over. And so she goes back to the Watchers empty-handed. But our Exiles team decides, hey, we're taking the fight to the moon. And that's kind of where we end up. And we know that there will be one issue left. Um, anyway, I love... Obviously, again, Little Wolfie in this book. Um, so much fun. Uh, after they fight the, the guys, he was like, they were bad guy exiles. <laughs> and just <laughs> the whole issue, he's like in the background, like pump, pumping his fist in the air. He's super excited about the, the, the action. Um, art, as usual, is just gorgeous. Um, the story was really fun. Uh, I would definitely give this book Six out of six claws and cannot wait to hear the Excalibros talk about it soon. Yeah, we uh, we should have a podcast out, I bet, in about a week's time to awesome. talk about this and, and a couple more issues. But, uh, I mean, this artwork, what, what can you say? I don't know. Just it's so, so good. I was I was thinking of my best artist for the year, and um, I, I – for some reason, I left off uh, um, Rodriguez in my list, but oh, I it just didn't come to mind until after I'd already like posted my my two choices on Twitter. But uh, I mean, Rodriguez is is amazing here. Uh, his layouts, even though this is kind of pedestrian layouts for him compared it's more to what standard, he, yeah, yeah, it's still uh, quite amazing, especially the the page that's it's like twelve little boxes. And everyone's being teleported out, but uh, it's like one big shot, but broken up into the little boxes. He still has some 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 flashes here, and I, I expect issue twelve to be full of some of his amazing artwork. So, um, even though the book's ending, if anyone out there is interested, I'm, I'm sure it started on uh, uh, Marvel Unlimited, so you can start checking it out that way, or pick up the trades because they are out there and. Uh, that will really help all the creators. So please, yeah. please do check it out. Yep. Awesome book. One of the best of 2018, in my humble opinion. Um, well, speaking of best of 2018, uh, we have another number 11, but this one is not the penultimate issue. It is the final issue of X-Men Red. So, George, you want you kind of... Take us through the issue, um, and then maybe let's just spend a minute just talking about the series overall. Sure thing. So, uh, issue number 11, writer Tom Taylor, artist uh, Roger Antonio, color artist Rain Barreda, a burrito, and letterer is VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! 
Woohoo. Um, so up until issue 11, we've had single, uh, the color, the covers rather have been single character focused covers. And now we've got a team shot finally of all of X-Men read together. Um, any, any comments on the cover art here? I really like it. I will say, um, just in general, uh, Prison's covers have not been as awesome as their Wonder Woman covers, but mm-hmm. I think this is a pretty good one. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I haven't, I mean, the covers haven't been my favorite part of the series, but I do like having everyone together here at the end. It, it does mean something. Right. Yeah, because a couple of these characters are not going to have much to do um, after this book, probably, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> I can name at least two of them who are now absent, so it's, it's yeah. a shame. But right. enough of that. Let's let's talk about how awesome this book is. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so last time we left off with um, everyone wearing Magneto helmets as they're about to fight Cassandra Nova. The Atlanteans had showed up, and uh, Namor is about to lead them all in in, in a war. Um, so everyone's got their helmets on. They're rushing. They're fighting all the people that uh, Cassandra Nova has taken over. Um, she's floating over everyone. Uh, she flies up to a, a ship and is basically going to like make it explode, uh, and the nuclear explosion will just damage everything. So, uh, one of our soon-to-be disappearing uh, mutant characters asks Kurt to take him up there so he can sort of hold the reactor together. Which, you know, I didn't. I understand he's strong enough to do that, but just the idea of of him being able to handle all the. Uh, the radioactiveness was kind of a surprise to me. I don't know if that's kind of a retcon for. I yeah, I wasn't sure that had something to do with the vibranium or Maybe. not. Yeah, I, yeah, it kind of, it's kind of sketchy, but it was still an interesting moment for sure. Oh yeah, no, it's the moment is great, and I let it, I let it go because it's it's kind of a nitpicky thing. Right. But, uh, <laughs> uh, he's up there doing what he can. Um, Jean's. Helmet gets taken off by Cassandra Nova, and uh, so it's down to just her versus Jean. Uh, they have kind of a battle here. The rest of our X-Men, uh, along with their Rainbow Sentinel, uh, jump into the fight. <laughs> and it's what, what I like here is we get some nice action shots as people are fighting back and forth. But um, in the end, uh, even though action is important, um, as we find out that what the problem with Cassandra Nova is that she was missing part of herself. Uh, when she, she pieced herself back together, she left out the part of her brain uh, that could create empathy. So they, they managed to teleport, basically, uh, Honey Badger onto Cassandra Nova, who sticks her, head, her hand right into Cassandra Nova's brain, sort of reinserting the piece and sort of healing her. Um, the fights happen up on, on this flying ship, and I love this little interaction uh, with Gambit and Thor because you don't see yeah. that a lot. Right. And I love, uh, you know, Thor can be a problematic character if if you let it get to like a. I, I know there are some like white nationalists who really, really don't feel like he's their character. But well, that's a shame. <laughs> I, I know. But what I really love about Thor, especially, you know, his recent books have been have been wonderful, but I yes. love that he's a guy who will, will, even though he's a god, he will very much respect uh, other people who sort of go all out to show their 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 will and their grit. 
Yeah. So this interaction with him, um, as uh, oh boy, I always forget his name. Uh, our our mutant who is holding everything together. Oh, gentle. Yes. Uh, Thor and Gentle's interaction it, in the spaceship is sort of a great little Thor moment. Yeah. It is. Uh, and a nice gentle moment, too. Yeah. Where he kind of earns the respect of the God of Thunder. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's a, it's a great moment. Uh, Cassandra Nova is able to knock Honey Badger off. And then at the end, it's, it's Gene and Cassandra sort of talking things out and realizing... You know, Sandra Nova realizes what what happened to her, what she's been missing, and it's a little preachy, but it's also really emotive. Uh, there's the the panel of Sandra Nova like with bloodshot eyes as the tears start running down her face that uh, that really got me as she realizes that she was missing empathy. Um, and Jean decides to show Sandra Nova what her vision is, and they go to the United Nations and. She gives sort of the ending to her speech that she started uh, in the first issue. But this time, it's not just her. We've got the younger X-Men are there. We've got some other X-Men. We've got Captain America right next to her and, and the Avengers. This, this message of unity that, um, uh, un- unfortunately, is just going to be lost as we move into Uncanny because that book's not really about anything. But uh, <laughs> it's it's just a, a great ending to an amazing series. Um, There's an article that the AV Club did maybe a week ago or two weeks ago uh, because the the day that this came out, uh, Tom Taylor's Batman annual issue came out the same day. Mm -hmm. And they they really sort of have similar issues and they're great character pieces. And it's really worth a a read because they they go into detail on on why this run has been so wonderful and what makes Taylor a great writer. So I would recommend... Uh, if you have a few minutes reading that as well, but I mean, all in all, this is a sort of a a great cap to an, a series that we're sad to end, but really, it sticks the the landing really well. The artwork is on point. It's just uh, I don't know if I could have hoped for anything better here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I love you know Jean the way she ends it, where she's like, you know, no humans and mutants. No us and them, just us, which is something I think we all need to hear, you know, over and over again until it sinks in. Um, and you're right. And there, there are some moments that could teeter on the edge of being slightly preachy. But, I mean, that's X-Men. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a great a great end to, to one of the best X-Men books in years. Um, I really hope, you know, we talk about some of the characters, you know, gentle, trinary, um, as far as team books go, Honey Badger, uh, maybe not having as big of a role. I also hope that this artist doesn't disappear. Uh, Rose Antonio, I thought, was probably a more suitable follow-up to Ezrar. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Not that, uh, not that uh, the, the Carmen artist was, was bad by any stretch. But this just felt a little more, like it's still kind of rough and sketchy, but just very, very dynamic. Um, the action shots are good. Uh, you know, X, when X-23 tries to stab Cassandra Nova. And then the emotion, like, 
part of Nightcrawler teleporting Honey Badger, and she has to like get her arm ready so she lands the right way. And so she's got her like fist up in the air, and Kurt's like got his, he's like almost face palming his Magneto helmet, and, yeah. <laughs> and just and, and they're both. It's a fairly small panel, so not a lot of detail. I mean, you can still totally see their facial expressions and their personality come out in the body language. And yeah, I I think uh, the art and the colors on this, especially Rainbow Burritos and colors are amazing, especially with like the action lines, um, which there's a bunch of in this issue, like uh, Gentle landing on the helicarrier, the colors and those kind of lines behind him, uh, mm-hmm. Captain America getting shot at with his shield, Gene uh, flying through the air. There's like a lot of opportunity for kind of that, that almost animation style action lines. And, and Moreno does a great job of having the colors not be too monotonous. Um, and, you know, Gambit blowing up the helicarrier or, or charging up the helicarrier to kind of override the nuclear explosion. Like, there's some pretty big, powerful moments here, but it doesn't. The message doesn't get lost. I know, you know, we'll talk about kind of whether any of these other books, <laughs> what what kind of maybe they have or don't have to say. But X Men Red had a lot to say, um, and I feel like it was an important book. I'm going to miss it very, very much. Um, I would give number 11 kind of the finale. I, I'm going to go six out of six claws. Sure. Um, before I give a rating, I just want to – you talked about sort of the backgrounds and the um, the action lines here. And I feel like something that Dan has, has mentioned a lot is artists sort of ignoring the backgrounds and just focusing on characters or having the background be just a single color. And though the, you know, the backgrounds here are kind of sparse, they're not just like empty. Uh, they right. Do, they do convey motion, and I think the color work and and everything else sort of makes up for some of the emptiness in the backgrounds as well. Uh, it's not just you know you'll see other other books where the background's empty and the foreground's kind of bland. It's it's very much um, everything happening in the foreground is is kind of making up for a lack of detail in the background. And so I just want to make sure that we were. So yeah. covering both sides of that. Um, right, but, I agree. And I think the color is kind of kind of steps in and, and makes up for some of the, the art. You know yeah. what I mean? I think, I think it's, it's two guys working together really, really well. Agreed. So I would also give this book a six out of six class. Um, the series as a whole, I would give a six out of six. I think yeah, I there was only you. maybe one issue that I wasn't into, and it wasn't like I hated it. It was like, well, this is kind of average. Right. Uh, so out of eleven books, if if I'm giving like five or sixes to all of them, it's that's kind of an amazing run. Yeah, and I think we did. I think that issue you're talking about, you may have given it a four, and that was the lowest in any X Men yeah. book got. And that's, I mean, that's pretty damn fantastic to have. I mean, it's a short run; it's eleven issues, but when I mean, it's a year's worth 10, of books. When 10 out of 11 were all fives and sixes unanimously from us, I think that's that speaks a lot. I mean, we're only we're only three people, but I mean, we are the most important pocket. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but um, no, but I mean, I I think I think our passion is is relevant to just how important this book 
was and could be if people give it a chance. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't want to get too much into all the, oh, maybe we'll save some of the editorial comment maybe for, for later in the episode. But, um, you know, I, I just want to kind of take a moment to appreciate this book for what it was, for the time we had it. And, you know, it's going to, it's going to be on my short list of X-Men runs that, especially like, you know, post 2000, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's on a very short list of, of great runs. Um, Taylor to me is a writer who if he's written anything. I haven't read everything he's done, but everything I've read, I've loved. And, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite writers of the last several years. Um, just, just, he handles everything with a nice balance. Um, you know, the action, the drama, the, the humor kind of all balances out really well. Um, you know, and it helps that if a book's going to have a message, it helps when you agree with the message. <laughs> you know, so, so sure. I don't want to discount that, you know, from people who maybe don't want to hear what it's saying. I can see where it might rub them the wrong way. But, you know, for for someone who feels like this is what the X-Men is about. Um, you know, it definitely resonates with me for sure. Definitely. I know Dan loved this book the whole way through as yes. well. Yeah. I think it's been one of his favorite books and I, I don't know how long. Um, and I, I, I don't feel like I could do Dan's thoughts any justice here. Unfortunately, we don't have <laughs> any written about X-Men Red. Uh, no, he gave him. some thoughts on some other books that we'll definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely share. Um. He has been very vocal online about how much he's loved it and reached out to Tom Taylor and, and the art team and you know, uh, this book has been on so many best of end of the year lists. I feel like um, it's the only sort of consolation for this book ending. Right. Uh, but for me, you know, the, the art team, uh, as are, and I don't know if, I don't remember if the, the colorists and the inkers were the same the whole way through, but, you know, when Azrar was the main artist, the book was gorgeous. Uh, we had a couple issues with, with the, the, the lady who's going to be doing Miss uh, Captain Marvel. And they were fine. Yeah. Um, not really my cup of tea. But uh, this, this final run of issues has been gorgeous as well. You know, all, all together as a, as a creative team, it's it's been wonderful. And, you know, we're, Taylor's moving on to Spidey, and I think we're all sort of interested to see what he, he does there. But over the last couple of years, he's really put himself in that upper echelon for me. Of, right. of writers who, if they're going to write something, like, I'm I'm going to have full faith. Like, this is a guy who understands the characters, their motivations, and and what they would do. Like, uh, Thompson's right up there with me with, with the new writers that I, I yeah, fully definitely. trust to, to take on something. Taylor. There are, there are other writers, uh, older writers. Like, Peter David can write. He can take any character. And I'm like, yep, I fully trust him to understand a character and write a book. You know what I mean? So yeah, he, he is Taylor's right up there. Like any any character he wants to write, yeah, let's let's do it because I feel like he's not going to. He's not a. Wouldn't it be cool if this character did this kind of a writer? He's like, <laughs> this is what, this is how this character feels and thinks, and this is how they would react to something. And let's let's dive into what that means for this character. So right, it's uh, it's been a joy to read him on X Men. Yeah, it's you know. <laughs> Some of this again, maybe will come up later in the episode. But um, his take on Gene was so refreshing. Yeah. Um, 
And that unfortunately is not going to carry over, does it look like? Oh. You know, I've, I've been really bummed because, you know, between Taylor on X Men Red and Hopeless's work with Young Gene. Exactly. I, it was really weird to, like, I was like, hey, I'm kind of becoming a Gene Gray fan. And I don't know if there's going to be much for me to hold on. I think she's kind of reverting to type. Um, and some of these other books that we're going to talk about. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, I really enjoy like him kind of making her the focal point, and I guess even to some degree the red of X Men Red. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> it really it really made sense. You know, just the focus on her and her compassion, and you know all the things that Jean could be. Um, and just I, I hope some of that. That other future other future writers will kind of latch on to and, and maybe run with some more down the road, um, but I guess we will see. But no, I mean kudos to to Taylor for making her a character that I don't usually I just kind of tolerate and actually really really enjoyed what he did with her. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well speaking of young Jean. Um, any other sorry? Any other thoughts on Red, just in general? I mean, I don't know. I could talk on and on for Red forever, so <laughs> it's probably yeah. best that we move on to something else. <laughs> right, cool. Well, um, we're gonna cover books in in reading order, not publication order, um, <laughs> and talk about Extermination Number Five, which is the last book of Extermination, um. This is written by Ed Brisson, art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, and the cover by Mark Brooks. And on this cover, we have the original, or four out of five original X-Men walking into the white light, and then a hand reaching for Cyclops' visor. Um, what do you think of this cover? It's Okay. Yeah, it's not Brooks' best work. I like the idea of, like, you know, the visor. Um, I, I'm glad that Gene's hand is placed where it is. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. To, to yeah. give us a, a backwards glance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Um, all right, so this book, we start off... And the nice focus on X-23, as she says, she's going to mount Ahab's wall on her living room, sorry, Ahab's head on her living room wall. And Ahab's like, yeah, feast on the hounds. Um, Kid Cable talks to Cyclops. He got speared with his on again, off again, uh, tribal necklace, um, which depending on what panel you're looking at, it may or may not be there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But of course, and I don't remember which of, of us called it, but I will say the podcast definitely called it. And that was not Young Cyclops. That was Mimic. Um, we got a nice shot of Hound Honey Badger um, as she jumps through the air. And Domino's like, they turn Honey Badger? I'm not going to be one to kill Honey Badger. <laughs> that was yeah, kind that of was a meme great. for a couple of days, yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, there was a number of like podcasters and creators like, hey, I'm not going to be the one that kills Honey Badger. So. 
Yeah. Well, I, well, I think we know who is going to be the but anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, of course, everyone's then, well, if that's not Cyclops, where's Cyclops? And he's like, here I am. I'm over here looking for my visor. And he gets the visor from from his young Cyclops, gets the visor from his young adult son. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, so here's Gentle, in case you were missing him. Um, and then the X-Men decide, well, we may go back, but not yet. We have unfinished business. We got to help our, our compatriots. Um, the, the little twins continue to hound people. Um, then Kitty and her team shows up uh, to join the fray. Jean's doing what she can, but they can't reach the hounds. Uh, we get a nice double page spread of everyone just fighting everyone, um, including S23 versus Old Man Logan. Um, you know, Ahab's trying to and do his thing. He is able to turn Storm, who, who fries everybody. Um, Kid Cable gets young Gene and young Scott and has a talk with them. Uh, they decide, you know, we really do have to go back. Our Icemen have a awkward crisis that is both unfortunate, but kind of, I guess, necessary in a very unfortunate way. Um, and everyone having to go back to how they were. Obviously, young Iceman is worried about all the progress he's made as a person. Um, the somewhat constellation prize of undiversifying Iceman is that old Iceman is, well, whatever happens, I'll remember, and he made my life better, so sorry, your life sucks again. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh so, yeah, unfortunately, uh, young Iceman will be going back into the closet, which is weird and and sad. Um, so let's, let's talk about that for a second. Because, okay. well, there's, there's two, look, right, three things. One, the artwork here, um, I think, is really the saving, I don't know about the saving grace. I mean, the issue isn't terrible. But uh, the artwork here is crazy. Uh, the best part of the book for for certain. Oh, by a country mile, as mm-hmm. Dan would say. Since he's gone, we'll, we'll say it in his place. By a country mile, this <laughs> part is the best part of this book. Yeah. Um, as as far as the psychops thing goes, like, what is the point if we're gonna like fake the death and instead of using it for Cyclops to do anything, he's like, no, I was just here on the right. Now it's time to fight. Well, then why did you even have to? Uh, Sacrifice mimic if, if Cyclops could have just been there fighting to begin with. <laughs> it's it's incredibly pointless. I didn't even think about that. It really serves no purpose. It serves absolutely it? no purpose. Um, Other than the cliffhanger. Like, yeah. That's, yeah okay. that's all it was. So, like, that was really frustrating. Like, if you're going to do that, then do something with it. Right. Um, so that was annoying. And then uh, the, the Iceman thing is a bigger issue because... I understand if you're trying to fix continuity or keep continuity, then, you know, he has to go back to, they all have to go back to, you know, being how they were, uh, forgetting all their memories. But let's not forget that Marvel has a habit of, like, retconning things all the time. Uh, you know, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch were never really mutants. Um <laughs> They they just a couple weeks ago announced like all these surprising like who really was you know with Peter Parker when blah 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 tune in for the untold story 
and and all these like, what really happened with uh, Anjanosha with blah 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 blah, and you're like, come on, man. If you're able to like retcon all these other things, you could retcon like, hey, Iceman comes out, uh, you know, earlier on, and I don't know if it changes a whole lot of stuff, to be honest. Right. In his life. Yeah. Like, would he? I mean, since Bobby's come out, has he had a successful relationship? No. Uh, he was never really good with relationships, so probably that would just. That's what it would be. Instead of him having bad relationships with women in the past, he would just have bad relationships with men in the past. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't know how it would change things so much. So I don't. I don't feel the need. Uh, uh, like if, if you're going to change any kind of continuity you want, then why does this one have to not be changed? I don't understand. However, I do like that that older Bobby does get to sort of keep the memories. That's sort of a nice little touch. Yes. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll find out as we get through the book that he doesn't just keep the information he has now, but he actually will will absorb. So, so our five, I guess, modern X Men is that that what we want to call them now? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll actually get to kind of once the time loop, quote unquote, is closed. Young Gene had fixed it so so they get to reabsorb. The memories that their younger selves had alongside their older selves, which is really weird, but kind of an interesting yeah. story beat. Um, so, yeah, so the Icemen, they hug it out. Um, angels are like, well, it was nice knowing you, each other. Um, old Man Logan almost kills young Iceman, which causes Kid Cable to have even more of a sense of urgency. And even though he doesn't want to time slide because Ahab is so close and can follow them, he go ahead and does it because he's got to get the kids out of there. They go back to Central Park, but still in the – oh, no, it's not the present, but it's just in the near future before the twins have turned. Right. So young Jean goes and talks to the twins, figures out how their powers work, and that's where she also works the deal where she she gets two things from the twins. She gets to see them in their more innocent well, – I guess three things – she gets to see them when they're before they're bad. She gets to figure out how to beat them and undo their hounding from the from the the future past. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she gets to figure out how because she knows when they go back they're gonna mind wipe themselves because you know they are Professor X's students after all. Um, mm-hmm. But she figured out some way to. To keep and deeply bury their memories from this past all new period, and then also so that their older selves can can get past the time paradox and have both sets of mem- like remember everything from both yeah, exactly. versions of themselves. And then Ahab still shows up um, somehow. It's actually I don't know if it makes sense, but it's pretty badass that. Um, between Cyclops' optic blast and Cable's gun, they're able to blow up Ahab's ship. Uh, dust. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a giant, like, monster ship. I, you know, they found the plans, and there's a little hole. Yes, oh, God. The photon torpedo <laughs> in, and it'll chain reaction and blow up the whole ship. So that's what so they do. Like we we all know when Cyclops in, in those early issues when Bendis is writing that Cyclops is hunting womp rats in the backyard of the X Mansion. So. Yes, yeah, yeah. So they move Skywalker to that bitch and uh, <laughs> blow it out of the sky, and then so Ahab is trapped in the present. 
Ken Cable tries to shoot him. Well, he does. He might shoot himself off his cybernetics and stuff. Um, then our X-Men go home. They have to recreate the scene where old Beast came back so that nothing looks remiss. Though, if he's coming back for the first time, why would it need to... I, I don't know. But, anyway... So why, George... <laughs> why does Gene whisper to Cyclops about, you know, Kate Cable just being a young boy who misses his father? Like Cyclops knew, right? Or is this revealing to him? I think he knew it was his son, but I don't know. They kind of almost make it like a sexy sort of thing. Like, hey, we need to start picking babies. <laughs> Not what I thought, but I love it. Um, <laughs> I mean, visually, that's really what it is. Right, like... yeah. Because it's definitely a whispering. and it, I, I read it like she was telling him new information, which I thought was weird. Mm. But... um. Anyway, so they mind wipe each other or themselves. And then back in the present, suddenly Iceman's like, whoa, guys, I just got flooded with all these memories. Anybody else? And they're like, yeah, me too. Let's blow up each other. And so they beat the bad guys. Gene is able to dehound everybody except for Rachel. Um, so Rachel runs off with Ahab. I feel and, like that's because they, they don't know what to do with Rachel. And they're like, okay, we need to just put her away somewhere until someone right. figures out what to do with her next. Yeah, yeah. We don't want her in Uncanny. So can you send her somewhere else? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they do. Um, Ken Cable is still here. Old Gene is like, well, I remember what my younger self also remembers. And so I'm going to let you go. Uh, someone, I'm not sure who, is really mad about that. Um, it would make sense if it was Hope, but they don't really tell you because um, she's all mm-hmm. grayed out. Um, then they have a funeral for Old Man Cable and two other people. I'm assuming Mimic, Old Man Cable, but I couldn't come up with the third. I couldn't either. Who else I, died? I don't remember. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, they bury three people, because never two without three. Um, <laughs> and then I, I do like the Nightcrawler does a service. Um, right, right. So our old versions of the original five, minus Cyclops, get together for milkshakes. And was this supposed to remind me of that annual I didn't read? I think so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, so they have milkshakes and raise a a glass to Scott, but then Kid Cable goes back to his mini fridge, grabs a beer and or root beer, and goes and meets Cyclops, who is, you know, still alive and ready to return. Oh my goodness. You know there's that company Dad's Root Beer? They there's a parody. If you read if you zoom in the bottle it says Daddy Root Beer. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness! Nice. Oh my goodness! <laughs> There's a uh, this is extra pages. This is an extra long book. Um, a lot goes on here, but is it a lot? I I don't know. Um, so first of all, like you mentioned and alluded to earlier, this is a beautiful book. Um, the art is fantastic. 
the colors, while sometimes maybe confusing the story, for the yeah. most part, are actually pretty vibrant. Um, yeah, I agree. They can be a little bit too, I don't know, maybe confusing, or it's just a little bit too much sometimes. But I mean, I'll take that if if, yeah. if the rest yeah. of the book is looks looks like this. Yeah. Um, there's some decent character moments, and I'm actually. It's kind of like, uh, maybe grown that the last page was. I'm actually kind of excited and interested to see, like, where did he pull Cyclops from? Like, exactly. Um, what Cyclops are we going to get? It looks like, you know, kind of the, the Bendis. No, that was red and black. Which costume is this? Is this the... Uh, this is the Gillen costume. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, so I'm really curious to kind of see. And I know we'll get all that. Um, in the Uncanny Annual, uh, right before Cyclops comes back to that book. Um, so I'm actually pretty interested uh, in that aspect. Um, I don't know. It's not. It's not a terrible book in my esteem. It's kind of messy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? No, I agree. It's not the worst book. Um, uh, Story-wise and writing-wise, there are a couple moments like even though I hate Iceman having to forget everything, the the page of of both Bobby sort of talking to each other was a nice moment. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, the the moment where they they do the cheers to Scott is great. Um, like the, there's some nice character moments. It's just that, you know, not a whole lot happens in the first four issues, uh, really, and, right. um. Ahab's magic spear is able to just like take out everyone so easily, and then just because uh, this issue is the final one, suddenly he's very ineffective, and the mutants who outnumbered everyone to begin with are suddenly able to do what they should have done in the first issue, and it's over. So it's 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 kind of like it's bad pacing, it's bad storytelling in that way, but there are some nice character moments, um, and. I think Dan sort of sums it up. We'll, we'll read his comments, but it is just sort of rearranging the chessboard so that other people can start playing with these characters now. Right. Yeah, the only thing I would maybe say is that while the plot is kind of messy, I, I feel like Brisson maybe does a better job than than some others at and giving the characters like distinct voices and having them kind of sound at least somewhat like themselves. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah for sure. Like, and so, I, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I just I think he does a good job with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it's, no, those character moments are like the, the things we point out to, like, oh, sounds like Jim. That sounds like Bobby. You know, Scott being like the the hero is very much like Scott. The Cable being the the, the douchebag know it all who <laughs> has guns that can blow up everything is very Cable. You know, right, uh, right. <laughs> it's, the character moments are nice. It's some of the actual plot and and definitely right. the pacing that are just like, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if we ever really find out why young Cable needed to kill old Cable, but... No. I don't it's, know. It was like, you didn't do your job right, so now I'm going to kill you and do it right. Well, I mean, <laughs> it feels like if you had two of you working together, it probably would have been better anyway. Like, why did you have to kill him? 
Right, right, right. All right, well, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up our thoughts in a second, but I do want to read what Dan uh, sent over to us. Um, so about extermination number five, you said, proving that the event didn't need to be five issues, I agree, and is wrapped up very quickly. Pieces are moved around the board for editorial and future story reasons instead of helping the main event. One or two decent character moments between the 05 made the, this issue better than the others. Um, overall, the art is expressive and fun. The color work is my favorite aspect. But this is less the grand denouement it was touted to be, but rather the final forced element in a back alley transaction. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that was really funny. Like, um, <laughs> these are the stories we want to tell. How do we get to that point? Okay, we'll do this. Fine. Right. Yeah, I mean... It did not need to be five issues um, at all. But no. if you remember that first, like first two issues were so slowly paced, there was like nothing happening. Right. Uh, and then all, this issue was like boom, 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 finish. <laughs> right. Right. And I'll say this: um, give Pepe an ongoing. Right, something. He needs to be drawn something. If it's not going to be X Men, then give him like an Avengers book or or something. But the guy can just flat out draw. Um, yeah, I would say that you know, Laraz and Gracia, the the colors, they both oh, yeah. have yeah. some some good books. Great, great team up. Um, all right. Well, so I feel like the story is fine. And mm-hmm. the art is quite amazing. So I'm going to overall give Extermination number five four out of six claws. Um, that might be a hair high, but that's probably where I'm going to land if I'm just honest with myself. Um, <laughs> so what about you? I feel like after reading it with you, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. It might be... A little high, but I feel like three is too low for this, considering what the artwork does. And right. t- to be honest, you know, Brisson has to uh, do some kind of sort of crazy juggling act to get these pieces to be where editorial wants them to be. Right. Um. So it's, I mean, <laughs> it's it's not easy. So <laughs> I can't. I mean, I, if 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 White told me, you know, these are where I want my characters to be, I don't know what kind of story I could come up with to get them. Where editorial wants, right? Uh, so he, you know, tough, tough job to do. And as we mentioned, it wasn't terrible. There's just sort of some pacing and some weird story choices. Um, but uh, yeah, four out of six, uh, mostly, mostly for the art. I agree. All right. Well, um, so the the epilogue in this book that came out a solid two weeks before this book did um oh i forgot about that the exterminated number one um you know what i don't really care to talk about this unless you just want to um that was all like cable died and dealing with cable being dead right yeah yeah so oh yeah hope and gene go on a quest to clean out like cable safe houses hope's going to try to find a time machine to go back and save her dad from her dad. Um, <laughs> but in, in the end, Jean talks it out of it. And then there's another story which tries really hard to retcon Cyclops into being a good father. 
um, which I don't buy. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, that book. Uh, since Dan sent us a comment, I'll read it. Um, he said <laughs> it was a bloated epilogue that meanders until it just ends. Both stories have little to no emotional stakes, and characters are forced into opinions and thoughts that do little to help the scenario. Art is fine to perfunctory, which in turn turns the book into a chore to read. And I agreed. I, in fact, I don't even know if I really read it per se is just kind of looked at the art and skimmed words to catch the general gist um i just wasn't really interested so any, yeah any thoughts on it georgie i started reading it and then i was like oh boy you know books where you're like i just have to get through it and yeah that's the one i just had to get through i didn't <laughs> want to read it and i didn't like really the artwork and i want to say the first half especially with hope i didn't yeah. like it all no, I the second half was, i think was okay uh, there was a nice sort of like Cyclops and Cyclops dad moment, if memory serves. But otherwise, it was kind of like, yeah, why am I reading any of this? <laughs> I enjoyed seeing a young Corsair. Um, but but if I remember right, so it's weird because Cable Cable's narrating the back half and talks about like this is a good memory he has. And then at the end, he says, and everything was so great. But it's not because I'm pretty sure from the context and setting, this is right before Cyclops abandons them. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, great memory of a great life that's about to... Not happen. <laughs> ...turned upside down. Ah. Um, so anyway, also immediately following Extermination is X-Force number one. Um, mm. Man, I don't, know. I don't think I'll be reading this book. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It just seemed... Why? Other than like '90s nostalgia and having an awesome cover, the cover is awesome. Oh, the cover is great. Um, so let's jump back because in Extermination, all of the old X Force characters were like, "Oh, he killed Cable. We got to get at him." And then suddenly they're like sort of buddy buddy with him. I don't understand the point of this book. Right. Like, are they are they going after young Cable? Because they kind of are upset with him, and they meet him. They're like, "Yeah, we just want to say a few things to you." And well, I don't. I yeah, don't and they kind it. of start off with like, "Okay, we're mad because you killed your yourself, but you're also you're you are still Cable, so maybe you had a reason. So we want to have a very angry chat. It's kind of how it how it seems like we're not going to try to kill you because you're still Cable." And killing Cable, who killed Cable, doesn't accomplish anything. We want, you, we want you to know we're upset, and we want you to explain yourself. But then, of course, they get they get trapped in an international affair, so there's no time for explanations. Um, there are some funny lines in this book, and the art is interesting, I guess. I don't know why Warpath is a Frankenstein. But, yeah, the um, art feels more like... Like an indie book, but an indie book where the artist wasn't given enough time to really get his 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 stuff in order. Like it feels a little kind of rushed to me, and it doesn't really work well with the story that they're telling. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I probably won't. I'll flip through number two and make a make a gut decision at the comic shop. But um, there's really there's nothing that really makes me kind of sink my teeth into this book at all. Um, I agree. If if you don't want to cover it, I'm not going to be pushing to cover this at all. <laughs> right. So I guess we'll see what Dan has to say. I don't think he had read it yet. 
when we talked to him yesterday. No. So, um, okay. Well, Georgie, why don't you take us into Mr. and Mrs. X number six, which is a wonderful. Well, well, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull this up one second. <laughs> All right, Mr. and Mrs. X uh, number six. Come on, app. Let's go. So, uh, writer Kelly Thompson, guest artist David Lopez, a guest colorist Now Young Kim, and letterer is Vicis Joe Sabino. So, on the front, we've got, uh, sorry, the cover artist is Terry Dotson and Rachel Dotson, which is the standard art team. And we've got uh, Cable, uh, just Cable, we've got Gambit and Rogue uh, hosting a party, sort of cleaning up the dishes with all kinds of crazy excellent stuff happening in the background. Uh, what, what do you think of the cover? I, you know, I've been kind of up and down on the covers, but I like this one a lot. Um, I think it's weird that Laura suddenly has uh, Logan's little glove nodules <laughs> for her two claws. Um, <laughs> but other than that, uh, I, I think it's a pretty cool cover. I really like the facial expressions, especially exactly. Uh, well, actually, all of them. Um, Rogue, like, trying to look happy. Gambit looking overwhelmed. Uh, I'm not sure what Jean's upset about, but she just broke something, maybe. Mm. Bishop's in a panic. Um, Nightcrawler's just having a ball. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty cool cover. Yeah, I think uh, I have to agree with everything you said there. It's, uh, I don't know how I feel about the art in this book. Uh, we've got a guest artist, so we can get into it, but I did enjoy the cover. Okay. All right. So uh, we start in Manhattan in Gambit and Rogue's apartment, and they're getting ready to throw a party. And we see from sort of their skylight, uh, someone's looking down on Rogue as she's opening the door. Bobby showed up early, and we have some nice sort of fun lines between Rogue and Bobby because, you know, Thompson can write some nice dialogue. Oh um, yeah. And that's what we get really throughout this issue. Um, you know, Bobby sort of joking around with. Rogues are getting ready. A nice sort of like fart joke uh, that happens here. <laughs> Hold on. Before we get past this page, did, did you read that interaction between Gambit and Bobby as like kind of some sexual tension? Uh, where he says, well, this place is amazing. I didn't know Gambit's taste was this good. Of course you did, Bobby. All right, fine, I did. Like, you, yeah. know, about my, you know about my taste. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of weird. But um, yeah, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, and the art, artwork here sort of highlights character expression over, over anything. This is sort of like an anime, almost, uh, I don't know, Steven Universe kind of a feel to the artwork here. Yeah. That is expressive. It's just very different than what we've been seeing. Um, and it's, it's a little bit... very different. Well, I don't know, because I haven't – one of my, my cardinal sins of, of comic reading is I have not read all of the Kelly Sue, David Lopez, Captain Marvel stuff yet. I will. Um, mm-hmm. But when he did All New Wolverine, because he was the main – the first main artist on that book. Oh, right. Like, this is a very different style from what he did on that book. Right. And so I don't know which one is more his normal – style like whether it's more serious or more cartoony but i was kind of like oh wow this is this is a different lopez than what i'm used to as a wolverine reader um i thought that was interesting i also didn't didn't know or didn't remember that gambit's dad was uh um johnny depp 
Oh but. yes. I didn't <laughs> I didn't even realize Gavin's dad was still alive, to be honest. <laughs> but I think you no, know, we're talking artwork, sort of the, the fun cartoony vibe really works for the story that's being told here. Yes. So maybe that's why he changed it to, to service the story. Or maybe this is more natural, who knows? But it's it's definitely uh different, um, unique in a in a nice way. So uh, as they're preparing, Gambit's dad shows up and they're sort of making apologies for not inviting people to the wedding. And Gambit's dad, like, look, I only came to one. You're about to be attacked. And then, of course, someone jumps through the skylight. Uh, we get some nice uh, action panels of Gambit fighting this guy who's definitely part of the Thieves Guild. Uh, Rogue tells uh, Gambit they have to take it outside. So he knocks him out the window. They're fighting on the roof. Um, we have some... I don't know how I feel about these action panels, to be honest, if, if they're good or not. Uh, the, the highlight of, of the book, this book is really the facial expressions and, and the interactions and, and less the fighting for me. But um, right. we've got Rogue and Gambit fighting on the ceiling, and Rogue sort of decides he's going to flip out. And uh, don't forget her powers are kind of evolving after she's been in space. So uh, Gambit jumps off the roof so she, he can <laughs> sort of be out of her sphere of influence, so to speak. And we have some some fun moments here of Laura and Bobby. Uh, I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, these are great. I mean, Thompson really can, you know, I don't know, maybe some of her writing covers up for her character moments. I don't know if that's that's true or not, but um, she's able to write characters so well, uh, at least dialogue-wise. Uh, it's always fun to read. So Rogue uses her powers to uh, sort of zap everyone on the roof. Then we have this nice like uh, double page spread of everyone sort of enjoying the food, some nice character interactions back and forth. Um, you know, that that's what made the book work for me was uh, these sort of party moments. You know, it, it's kind of, there's a little bit of action here, but it's also almost like an old uh, X-Men play baseball issue or yes. X-Men, X-Men holiday issue where there might be some action, but the highlight is the characters just sort of talking to each other and enjoying being around each other. Um, and then finally, after the party ends and people are going home, uh, Gambit's ex uh, shows up and she's like, look, you better watch out because you are the king of the thieves and and thieves are are looking kind of weak now. And Rogue decides she's going to fly off into, into New York for a minute. Uh, she goes to see Magneto, who they have sort of a nice, like, friendly moment here. Yeah. And, um, Rogue uh, goes back to the apartment. Another sweet moment with with Beast showing how much he cares for Rogue. And he helped to design sort of a new power dampener bracelet that's a little bit easier for her to use. Um, Storm and and, uh, (laughs) Beast take off. And there's a nice little joke here of Storm forgetting that she was Beast Ride, which was a nice (laughs) little character moment. Yeah. A couple kisses. uh, They realize there's a, a present. They open it and they're captured again, which is like a... A running theme for these two. <laughs> um, and at the bottom, uh, this it's almost like the narrator is reading what's happening to them. So a little little uh, cliffhanger here. So I'm interested to see what where this is going. Um, I feel like I sort of talked a whole lot here uh, about this issue. What did you think, Jason? Uh, I I would just echo pretty much what you've said. Um, I really enjoyed the interaction between Laura and uh, Bobby when she shows up. And they're like... Uh, is that Gambit? Can he fly? <laughs> Iceman's like, uh, that was like falling to me. Uh, you want a drink? And she's like, as long as there's no ice from your butt or whatever. Um, <laughs> so that's really funny. Um, 
you know, I'm going to make possible smart ass Nick of the year, uh, where Laura says, talk to the claws, man. <laughs> and she pops the claws on beast, just kind of having fun. Um, I, I, yeah, I completely agree. It's the, it's the character moments, the interaction, the fight is kind of a, you know, a nice little action interruption so that we have it, but and, and it does, I'm assuming it's setting up some stuff, you know, like conflict with the, the exactly. guilds. Exactly. Um, so I, I think it's, it's an important part, but I think everything else in the book overshadows it as far as the moments. Um, you know, and we're not going to get to the guilds right away. we got to take a, a segue over to Mojo. Um, oh, boy. Just when, more when, Mojo for you. <laughs> I love when he says, why are they... It, it kind of reminded me of like the old, like, Batman, 60s Batman. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. He's like, is marrying off your leads really the death knell everyone claims? Why are they upside down again? And the writers run out of ideas? What are these crocodiles a metaphor for anyway? Sense of the past, a doomed future, sexual frustration, or maybe they're just crocodiles. And then, <laughs> you know, I don't know, just I'll, uh, interesting to see what Thompson can do. She can make Mojo fun. Um, so maybe, maybe so. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love this book. I thought it was, it was really a wonderful, like, kind of wind down after the big space adventure. Sure. You know, they get back. It makes sense to have a party. So I, I thought it was really fun. I want to say um, we're going to cover a couple of solo books here, but I, I just like that these books are sort of ignoring everything that's happening in Uncanny so that we yes. can have, <laughs> we can have moments like Rogue and Magneto sort of talking, uh, you know, uh, it out as, as friends like this. If if they were adhering so much to the un- uncanny continuity, this would never be possible. So, right. um, you know, valuing character over continuity in, in these solo books is quite nice. So, I, I I want to say this, but I don't want to forget it. So I'm going to ask it now. What what's wrong? Because <laughs> we have. I don't know. Yeah. There's so much to talk about, but well, I mean, you know who's in the the White House right now? I mean, right, you know, right. All these ecological problems. Right, but is this where we're going, Jason? No, I just we have <laughs> we have two books we've talked about. One that I think so so Mr. and Mrs. X by Thompson. I think both the story and the character pretty wonderful. In fact, let's go ahead and get to it. I'm gonna. I think the art's pretty great. Um, there's definitely some stylized choices that, that you either like or not like. I'm going to give this book six out of six claws. Um, because I just loved it. And even Extermination, which had its issues, still had nice character moments. Definitely. That's Thompson and Brisson, both doing good character work. Right, right. That, would, that's two-thirds of the Uncanny book, <laughs> which has zero character like, I know we're oh. talking about when we get to those books, but but where does where does the train fall off the tracks? I mean, well, look, we, I mean the the X Force book is Brisson, and we weren't really you know no true excited about but that. There were some nice one liners, mm-hmm. so I mean I don't know. And his his old man Logan was up and down, though that dead man Logan book is great so far. Um, but yeah, so anyway, anyway, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the world when we get to Uncanny. What do you want to give Mr. and Mrs. X? 
I think I'm going to give it five out of six just because I felt okay. like the action, the action panels were kind of blah. Uh, yeah, they were kind of okay. Yeah, that's but fair. otherwise, uh, great, great fun read. Very good. Okay. Well, we have four, because it's weekly, issues of Uncanny to talk about. Um, number four through seven. I'm going to kind of blitz through these, and then we can just kind of have some overall thoughts. Um, all right. So number, in fact, I'm going to do all the credits up front here. Uh, number four, uh, we talked about the writers of Rosenberg, Thompson, and Brisson. Uh, this particular issue is penciled by Pere Perez, with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover by Elizabeth Torque. Um, number five, I think the only thing that changes is the pencils. Let me double check that. No, sorry. Uh, so R.B. Silva does the pencils and Adriana Di Benedetto does the inks, but everything else is. Oh, no, wait. No. The letters are VC's Chris Eliopoulos. Okay. But then the cover is the same. All right. Number six is. You know, I get past the Stanley thing. Um, art by Yojure Sinar. Back to Caramania on the letters. Everything else is the same. And then number seven is back to Pere Perez. And mm-hmm. everything else is the same. Okay. So that's kind of our, our credits. And that will make something of a difference because the art changes will impact yes. how I feel about the book. Um the writing's pretty consistently the writing. Um, <laughs> very so political remember, answer. A very, very <laughs> political answer. <laughs> um, so our our X Men just faced uh, the four Horsemen of Salvation and, and got their butts handed to them. I will say one thing about about this book through. I. Really dig the new Cyclops or sorry, Cyclops design. Like, I like the new costume a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so they fight our horsemen, which are Magneto, Angel, Blob, and Omega Noodles. And um, turns out they didn't, they did get beat, they were getting beat pretty good. They didn't all die. Jean tricked them with her mind, and probably one of the, the cooler uses of powers in this book. Armor makes like a giant armor person that covers up the whole team. That is visually very striking. Um, Then Angel's like, well, too bad I had to murder all my friends. Guess I'll fly on back home. And so they go see uh, Jesus X Christ, who is Nate Gray, X-Man, completely messiahed out and even down to like old robes. yeah, his, and trying to look a little too sexy here sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Those, he's got some divine abs. <laughs> and those, those, those that uh, robes the skirt just barely covers what needs to be covered. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's barely it's, on. It's barely, which makes you wonder what's anyway. Um, what's holding it up? Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, he talks about phase three, which is the first we've heard of this. Even Kenny's like, well, what's phase one and two? And he's like, well, never mind all that. You guys, I captured Apocalypse, Kenny, and a senator. Why don't y'all give me some advice? 
And Apocalypse's advice is to do what he did in the movie, which is destroy all the false institutions. So he's like, okay, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And so he does. Um, which, by the way, got some pretty serious kickback from some different organizations. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw any of that. Um, which, I don't know. I, I get it, but also it's, it's fiction. So, you know. And he is not portrayed as a hero for doing this. So, so, but anyway. Um, so then our X-Men are like, whoa, this is bad. we got to figure out how to, how to handle this. And Legion is off his rocker. Uh, one of the highlights, which I'm assuming is a Kelly Thompson line, because um, I'm just contributing everything I like to her. Um, Gene <laughs> uh, and Psylocke are like, sleep. That's about the last cool thing Gene does. Um, <laughs> instead, she bites the head off of the kids who have questions and very uncared. Like, this whole forced conflict between the kids and the adults, I'm not saying the kids are right or wrong. The fact that no one will even talk to them is yeah. not only kind of dumb, it's actually out of character. Um, I feel like for most of the older clinical characters to be like, oh, no, no time for you. <laughs> oh, for sure. And it's especially on a character, on a character for everything that Jean didn't read. She would not be yes. like, hey, all you guys and some of you may have helped us. Uh, uh, Previously, and I know some of you were like full-time X-Men and X-Men Gold. Uh, I don't have time for y'all. You need to go back in the playpen. Right, right. Get on your uh, your baby leashes or I don't know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So they split into teams. They go find someone built a, a hippie statue of, of Jesus X, given the peace sign. And they Magneto intervened in a conflict to try to take away the hate. But all he did was take away the guns. The hate's still there. Um, Legion talks to the kids and says hey I'm on your side I tried to warn you and they're like yeah you kind of did so let's set you free then a dinosaur shark eats some people as another team shows up uh, the best part is Laura's like was that a megalodon it was right it was totally a megalodon do I get to stab it no yeah, yeah. just a little <laughs> um, so they fight but they decide they can't take out the whole horsemen they just have to save people and then Blob and Omega Needles turn it into a jungle. Oh, I think it's next issue. Whatever. Uh, Glob finds a multiple man and convinces him to join the cause. So that's number four. Uh, number five. Um, oh, man. This Silva art is so good, but we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wonderful. Uh, we get a nice double-page spread of the X-Men fighting the more the horsemen. Apocalypse and Kitty argue some more about what what he should do. Uh, and he's just got peed on by a baby. Um, <laughs> oh, well, no. In all fairness, you have to read Uncanny X-Men, so it's kind of a trade-off True. there. It's kind of, yeah, it's, 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 it's fair. <laughs> uh, so we get uh, this oil rig turned into a jungle paradise. Beast is missed, placed something important. Legion hugs multiple men and says, I know you can't forgive me, but please forgive me. Um, then he goes to find Cerebro. Uh, stuff, stuff, stuff. Fight, fight, fight. Um, Betsy like gets a psychic katana after saying a couple of British things and s- slices Angel. So he turns back into Archangel. Um, and that's number f- five. 
Um, number six, uh, Angel's mad because he got turned back into Archangel and he was at peace, but he's going to fight the horseman now because he doesn't like uh, uh, Jesus X anymore. Mm. Um, then the X-Men teams go to Jesus X's temple. He shows up in like resurrection light um, and says, I'm not going to argue with you guys, but let's talk and argue. Um, and then the kids show up as the X-Men try to fight him, but he can't. And the kids are like, let's just talk. And he's like, oh, you don't want to fight? Okay. But then Legion does something and creates, or no, sends the kids to the Age of Apocalypse land with Nate Gray, who is depowered. Then in number seven, months have passed. And this whole story is just the kids in Age of Apocalypse. Armor says, you know what? Being an adult is hard. And she decides to kill Jesus X. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. What I miss? Anything important? Well, I love how you sort of petered out at the end. You're like, oh boy, this is, this is, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I ran out of gas for sure. And I don't blame you either. If I had to cover all that, I would have run out of gas too. <laughs> I mean, I think you're dying to talk about the artwork, I think, almost as much as I am. Do you want yeah. to get into that first? Yeah, so Puri Perez, who does number four and number seven. I think I like number four better than number seven, but I think that's more uh, a casualty of the plot. Um, I just right. There's as much cool stuff to draw in number seven. I really feel like number seven was kind of a waste of time. Um, for sure, for sure. Uh, like, we have ten weekly issues. Let's spend one of the kids running around Apocalypse Land. Um, but I thought his art in number four was just stupendous. Uh, really, really good. Um, yeah. And then Arby Silva in number five. Oh, my goodness. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite artists. I know I know. in some ways he's kind of Eminem, right? right? That's mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a criticism that gets levied at him some, but I feel like he's... He's grown enough differently that I just really, really enjoy his art. Sure, sure. Um, it does feel like he's sort of come into his own a little bit more recently uh, yeah. with, with these issues. Like, yeah. you can still see the influence from Eminem, uh, but, uh, it, like, every time he's on this book, it's like, wow, yes, please give Silva as much time as he needs to draw this book. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess the art I didn't like as much would be number six. Um with Sine's art, um, there's a couple of pretty decent panels, but overall, it just feels kind of dull to me. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And to be fair, it, compared to some of the other Sinar's artwork, I feel like this is some of his better artwork. Um, but by comparison to the other artists on this book, it just comes off kind oh. of kind of blah. And you know what I think is weird, too? Um it's Prey Perez, Arby Silva, not the same artist by any stretch, Mm-mm. but but feels fairly cohesive. Right. And Sinar's style does not match with them at all. And if anything, it would have made more sense for him to draw the Apocalypse World book. Sinar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Like, is at least then it's a, a big change in scenery, so the big change in style has a story reason. Um, I don't know. It just, it, I don't want to dog on the guy because I know he's just, just he's he's doing he's living the dream, drawing his comics. He's, he's an artist on Uncanny X Men, which I think most artists would be salivating at the chance to draw. For sure. For and sure. so you know, good on him. But and there are some decent panels. The panel of when Archangel shoots all his metal blades for some reason in Magneto and then what he hopes yeah. to accomplish. But it looks cool. And the one of Jubilee where she gets like shot away and lands and gets taken over by the vines. Right? That's a pretty decent panel. Um, so it's not all bad. It's just, especially after Silva and Perez, and especially with the fact that the story's kind of dull, mm-hmm. really makes his art not shine and kind of yeah, sticks out in a oh, negative yeah. way, maybe more than is fair just because of the, of the other artist. Definitely, and I feel like his his artwork looks like it's colored differently than than the others. Even though it's still Rosenberg, uh, Rachel Rosenberg is coloring his 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 pages here. The night as bright and shiny, and it's not. And you know what? Also, it is. Yeah, it's more in the lines. Yeah, like the coloring's way more compartmentalized. I feel mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. which I don't know. It's weird. It's just visually. A step down over the whole book, right? And I don't. I think you said it's not terrible, but it's it's not sort of up to the standard of the other artist. I wonder. I think the last, the first time I saw him was doing X Force or Weapon X. Yes, yeah, Weapon X. Yeah, and I'm wondering if maybe it was just a little early in his career to be doing an uncanny book. Uh, maybe he just needs a little bit more time under his belt, right? Because uh, there are moments you're like, okay, that's not bad. I could, you know. See this guy doing some nice stuff, but it, maybe it's just a little early for him. I, for, for all I know, he's been writing comic or drawing comic books for twenty years, right. and uh, <laughs> that's really insulting. But it feels like maybe he's not quite ready yet. Yeah, yeah, not maybe got called out of the bullpen a little too early. <laughs> but um, but, oh, I, mean, I, the- I didn't want to mention um, mm-hmm. while we're talking about art, all all of these covers by Torque are pretty great. Right. No, it looks like they're interlocking, but not in order. Is that the impression you got? Oh, I can't pull them all up at once. I'm reading these on digitally. Okay. So it's it's hard to pull them all up. But uh, it looks yeah, like, like there's, yeah. there's stuff coming in off of panels. But definitely, yeah. you put them together, they don't go together. So mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> what happened. And there's a bigger poster. It's not in order. <laughs> so, they do look nice, though. Yeah. So All now right. we have to talk about the story? <laughs> I guess so. Um, I don't... It's not the worst story ever. <laughs> and I guess I'll stop there. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't really care about uh, Nate Gray 1%. Um, and... The whole redoing Age of Apocalypse, but good now. I'm trying to make a, a utopia, but sacrifices must be made. I just, I don't care about the story, and there's not enough of those character moments to keep me really into it. I don't know. I just, mm. and the character moments that are there seem weird. Like, 
everyone yelling at the kids and I just I don't know. I don't I don't really like it. I don't hate it, but I don't like it. Yeah, the only character moments I really like were the Legion moments. It felt very much like Legion. Him yeah. like freaking out and those are some great panels. Um I mean I have issues uh like story and continuity wise, like the, the end of Age of Apocalypse uh, nuclear bombs fall on like everyone involved with the story, and the MCon crystal sort of like blinks that that universe out of existence anyway. So them traveling back there is kind of like uh, that's an impossibility to do. Um, I don't like how X Men can, can basically just do whatever he wants power wise, and it it feels very. No, he's doing exactly what Apocalypse did. Like, I'm going to destroy everyone and do it my way, and pain is pain, but it'll be a better universe. Like, that's exactly what Apocalypse did in Age of Apocalypse. So uh, if X-Men was created to stop him and really to fight against that, this seems really antithetical to to him as a character. Right. Uh, I don't... And the, the worst thing of this book is it's just stuff happening to happen. It just feels like, wouldn't it be cool if they did this? Yeah, and then these characters fought these characters. Yeah, and then what? What's next? What is the point of it all? Like, there are slivers of of X Men talking about like his philosophy, but after like a panel, they're like, yeah, we're done with that. Let's let's get into more fighting. Um, it took until issue four or five for someone to say, hey, why are you doing this? So, I just don't know. Obviously, that's a pacing issue, but it's also like a we don't really. We just thought this would be cool if our X-Men characters was using their powers and fighting other X-Men characters and and alternate universes and that just like crazy sci-fi fun and I mean you could have some fun moments here but if there's not a point to it if you're not trying to say something or tell a story that has some kind of meaning or why are we why are we reading this uh, I feel like it's it's people getting the wrong um the wrong, oh, what's the word? They're pulling the wrong things out of the old, um, the old like seventies, eighties X Men books, which had a lot of crazy stuff happen. But there was also like real character moments and real philosophy and real sacrifices and like real family being had in those books. Right. That yeah. this just is missing. It's like, oh yeah, I remember when X Men fought that character. Let's have him fight that again. But they fought that character in the past because there was a reason that they had to do it. There was like a real like ideological conflict or emotional conflict happening. But this is just like, uh, let's just have like this big event because of events. So I feel like they're pulling the wrong ideas out of what X-Men comics are supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, some of it I think is maybe just... And forgive me, listeners, if we've, if we've already said this on air. Like sometimes I, I can't remember what we've just talked about on Twitter and what we've actually recorded. But one of you guys, either either Dan or you, had said at one point that we're getting to the point where these writers came of age, kind of reading some of the not best parts of X Men history, and mm-hmm. so the the parts that they're nostalgic about are. Maybe some parts that I kind of, when I do my read throughs, kind of skim over. <laughs> you know? No, for sure, for sure. Um, and so the, they're pulling out these things that meant a lot to them and maybe help them get into the comics. And I will say, um, oh, excuse me, having read some some interviews and articles, like, these, as much as I'm not enjoying this, the, the three are kind of 
three guys writing this seem to really like want to to tell this story. Like they were chopping at the bit to to like they have good ideas, and it, you know it's not working for me. But I don't think it's a, a lack of passion or or that they're like I don't think they're trying to tell bad accident stories. I just think I'm not the right audience for this arc. Um, and I also think that for whatever reason, the the character moments just aren't coming through. And no. they, feel, they feel off. And I don't know if that's because there's too many cooks in the kitchen or or what. I don't want that to be like a crutch or an excuse. But it does seem like there's just, I don't know, it just... It feels like it's Rosenberg's ship and the other two guys are just kind of helping out. But that's just me saying that because he's the X Factor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, like it, it, I don't know, because if Brisson and Thompson are both doing better stuff elsewhere, then that's he's what's different. And I don't want to say it's all his fault, because I don't think it is. I think I think they're collaborating and you know, they they had a story they really wanted to tell about about Nate Gray and I just don't care. Right. <laughs> I think if I was to ask them why, I don't know if they could tell me why they had to tell this story. Or 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 what is important about this story. Right. I think especially I feel like especially Rosenberg would say, What do you mean why? It's 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 cool. Like don't you like these characters? This is the story I want to tell, so I'm telling it. Instead of what's important about it, what makes this, this work, what makes this character tick. Um, I think he would say, (laughs) let's, let's be really honest. Here's what they're going to say. Um, return of Wolverine's not done yet. And so I can't tell his story until February or March. So I needed something else. (laughs) Maybe. And then, and then in issue 11, Cyclops and Wolverine will be back. With my team that I want to be, with you know Havoc and the New Mutants, and I really feel like this is ten issues of wait for number eleven. Jeez. That's that's probably not fair. But that's what it feels like to me. Well, let's let's you know, I, Dan and I both felt like Multiple Man was just a waste of issues. Not like it it went round <laughs> in a circle and then nothing happened at the end. Right and. In, in a certain sense, you could look at Age of Apocalypse, and I only bring this up is because it sort of mirrors it, right? Right. At the end of Age of Apocalypse, it all ends. So it's kind of like it doesn't really matter. But the point – there's a lot of sacrifices are made there. And the point of the story is if this is the world where the X-Men are in, how do they strive against it to make things better? What do they do? But here it feels like this is this is the, the world that we want to tell, and let's just have some – fun action pieces doing it. There's like Age of Apocalypse, there's real ideological uh, sort of heads battling back and forth, not just, you know, uh, you know, survival of the fittest versus, you know, compassion. There's a lot of like characters, you know, butting heads back and forth. That's just lost here. Right. Um, It just feels like, you know, we, we read, you know, maybe X-Force is whatever, uh, we read other Briston stories that we've enjoyed. I think stuff yeah. he has more control over. And we've read Thompson stuff. Uh, you know, 
my book of the year might be Jessica Jones, which is totally Thompson. Right. Um, we just read Mr. And Mrs. X, which is good character moments and fun and sort of some, some kind of meaning behind it. But for me as well, it's it's the Rosenberg part that feels like why is why is what is his involvement fully with this story? Is he the head of the uh, is he the leader of the three heads or is he just <laughs> are, are they all equal equal shares in this disaster? I, I have no idea, but it feels <laughs> right. like he might be the one that's steering the ship. And I don't know why the ship is sailing in this direction. Right. You know, I, there is, there is in these four, I don't remember which issue it's in. There is one nugget that I thought was kind of interesting that, that maybe a different story could expound on. And that was the idea. Cause I guess the crux of, of Nate's disillusionment or whatever is that, you know, the, the age of apocalypse world is like obviously bad, mm-hmm. but that this world, why it may be dressed up still has some of the same issues. Sure. And I think, I think there's something to that, right. To the fact sure. that, that, you know, things may look nice. And I think, you know, I think, I think maybe, and I'm not saying I'm the person I'm not, I'm not a writer. I can't do this, but, but I think maybe the germ of the idea is because especially as Americans, sometimes we can get lost in how shitty other places of the world, or even sometimes of our own country, can be because we're not experiencing it firsthand. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe things aren't so rough for us. So, hey, everything's great. We're really not looking at the whole big picture. Not everything's great. And there's still a lot of strides for us to make as humanity. And so I think there's a nugget of an idea there that, like, just because sure. things look okay, they're not really, and we still got to fight and fix things. And that's a great idea. I just don't know if Definitely. the story really accomplishes embellishing on that at all. There's um, no juxtaposition to show, like, this is what, like, we get to the age of apocalypse world, and yeah, it's bad on the outside, and we're sort of bad on the inside, but it's not, they don't focus on that enough if that's the story they're trying to tell or, or a point they're trying to focus on. It's just sort right. of a like a kernel, as you said, like an offhanded comment that is kind of ignored the rest of the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, there are, there are ideas here, like kernels of ideas, like X-Man die, is dying, so he wants to do something with, you know, save people and do something meaningful before he dies. Like, that could be an interesting story, Colonel. Uh, but they barely talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go five issues before we get into what this 10-issue arc is supposed to be about. I'm not... Part of that is like huge pacing issue, um, right. so uh, you know if we get worn out before we even get to what we're supposed to get to, I don't. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason why we're sort of getting tired. Where you uh, sort of trailed off there in your your uh, recap, <laughs> you're like, how much do we have to read until we actually get to something happening? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Dan sent us some thoughts. He was kind enough to to actually read all these books. Um, <laughs> so thanks Dan for and and sorry. Um but he he said about the, this group of issues um you know just tedious retreads of worn out ideas. Character beats are off especially from issue to issue as character personalities transform in front of us to serve plot above all else. Uh outside of Silva the art is rough, overinked and lacks impact. Uh Silva delivers a dynamic looking book but backed by lackluster words. 
empty offerings all hurtling towards another event, which, of course, we know is the uh, Age of X that's coming up. Right. Um, and it, it isn't a return of the X-Men, but rather a doubling down of recent business decisions repackaged as a return of the X-Men. Uh, number seven, talking about the months that went by, he's like, how much story did we miss here? <laughs> Art is so mundane, colors seem muted, which is travesty and the rich visual setting of, okay, never mind, AOA is just burning buildings, I'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> Again, characters have flip-flop goals and agendas, and he asked something about Pixie and Santa wanting to kill because they look evil. Um, and then I think kind of the crux of it, and I think my, my feeling about this overall is Dan says this whole thing is playing with toys, storytelling at his very worst. Which I kind of agree with. I think I think the only nitpick I would have with his uh, synopsis is, is I probably enjoyed Parade Perez's art more than he did. Um, sure. But other than that, pretty, pretty much in, in line with where I am. Yeah, I think we've said in our group chat that like it does feel a lot like... I want my action figures back to where they were, you know, when I was younger, so I can play with them. And some of that feels like, especially jeans. Like, this is Gene in the late 90s, so this is how I want Gene to be again. Right. So, you know, it's it's kind of, I mean, we've, we've said enough. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, um, what do you want to grade these four issues? Oh, boy. Yeah. I just, I really want to separate art from story here because I think Silva deserves... Uh, his accolades. Um, yes. And uh, Perez deserves accolades as well. Um, and even, I would even say Sonara does some of his better work here of, of what I've seen. But this story just feels meandering and pointless and boring. I I, I want to... Oh, boy, jeez. I don't know how I can act, you know, honestly, if if... Because the story... And the art feels like so untethered. Like it's hard to give one grade to these issues when I when when it doesn't feel like everyone's <laughs> running. They're, they're like driving two different cars here. Right. Jeez, um, I'm I'm just kind of stalling because I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna go so four through seven. Uh, Silva did five, so I'm gonna do. Well, it doesn't necessarily not going to matter. I'm going to do three, three, two, three. <laughs> uh, I love the art in five. I really liked it in four and seven. Didn't care as much in six, so it's going to get a lower grade. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm I'm there. I'll give just because the artwork was so nice with Silva. He definitely gets a three. Uh, Perez, I think he deserves a three as well for what he puts in there. Sonar's right. book is a two. Um, it's if I could just give this like story and writing, uh, this would all be like twos and ones. Uh, this yes. Is, yeah. It's not, it's not worth it in the end. No, no. You know, and it brings up a good point though. Um, cause maybe you're in the same boat as these writers. If, you know, if you're listening to the show and you have a lot of strong, like good feelings about Nate Gray, um, maybe write in and just tell us kind of, what we're missing from your perspective, like what makes the character great? Does this match? Um, Cause I just, I don't have the experience or the nostalgia for that to mean anything to me. Um, and so there's, that's even less for me to hook onto, but you know, if, if listeners out there have like just, Oh, I really, I was 
I was sad when Nate Gray went away, and I'm glad to see him back. You know, you know just kind of tell us kind of some of your feelings. I'd definitely love to, to read them on, on the show and, and discuss them because I think, you know, obviously there's room for divergent opinions, and, you know, if this is something that has meant a lot to you, I would love to hear why because maybe it could help me kind of wrap my head around what, what's going on. Um, but, yeah. So anyway, that's our uh, that's our uncanny catch up. Um, so real quick, Georgie, um, we also mm-hmm. had recent issues of Iceman and Domino, uh, both books that we've liked to various levels. Um, just any real quick thoughts on either of those books? Uh, I think uh, Grace's voice on Iceman is still nice, even though the artwork seems to be consistently sort of. Uh, subpar for that book, unfortunately. Yeah. How about you, Iceman? I would agree. Yeah. Um, I actually thought there were maybe a couple parts of this book where the art was a hair better. I don't mind as Mister Sinister. Uh, right. Right. Actually, um, I thought the writing was pretty strong. I really liked the parallels between kind of the the mutant pride rally and Iceman's little mission. Like, right kind of all went well together. Um, you know, Mr. Sinister, Grace did a good job, you know, with his version of Sinister. Um, and the idea of like, hey, you know, I didn't get where I wanted with the Grays in the summers, but look at, look at all your power. I suddenly noticed you. What's, right, right. It was, it was just kind of funny and interesting. And I'm real, I thought it was a really, really strong outing from Grace with just, I just wish someone else was drawing it. But, for sure. Yeah, but I, w- I would say it's veered more towards the thumbs up. Uh, Domino, I still really liked. Didn't love it maybe as much as I have been the book, but, right. still, really, but still really enjoyed it. I noticed, I looked at the credits again, but Baldion isn't the sole um, artist on this no, issue? No, his, uh, his uh, backup, they did it together this time. Yeah, and you could tell. Some, some of the panels look really much... Like his his standard, and some of them look kind of a little bit maybe under under underperforming. So right. that was for me. I thought the story was fine. Uh, you know, uh, Simone's voice for Domino, especially in her thought boxes, are great. Um, but it was some of the artwork felt like, well, this is not what I'm used to. It's not terrible, but um, oh well, Baldian has another artist on it. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, before we wrap up, Georgie, um, this is going to be the last episode we do of 2018. Um, so you had asked kind of a question, and I've put some thought into it, about favorite books of the year. Um, I'll say, you know, I'll kind of start off with kind of the X books. Um, All New Wolverine slash X-23 was just fantastic. Um Mr. and Mrs. X is right up there. X-Men Red that we talked about obviously is is very close to the top of my list. Exiles uh, is up there. Um, what what kind of X books are at your top echelon? And then we'll talk about something else. Sure. I think obviously Red uh, we, we loved. Uh, All New Wolverine X-23 has been great. Um, you know, Exiles is sort of X-Men tangentially Right. Uh, but but you know we love that book, uh, Mister. You know Thompson stuff on Mister. and Mrs. X was great. And I want to shout out Silva 
uh, as an artist. You know, we've been loving him on Uncanny, and even when he was doing Blue, he wasn't always. You know, it, sometimes it felt like he was rushed, but when he was on point with Blue, he had some amazing issues. Yeah. In on that as well, so I think he deserves. He might be my breakout artist of the year, uh, especially closing it so strong here. Yeah, that's, I think it's very, very deserving. Um, and his work on uh, the good uh, Wolverine series, uh, the Adamantium Agenda, was also really good. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. With Taylor. Um, right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, what, what are some of your other, like, best of the best? Maybe maybe two or three books that were, like, just... Sure. Awesome, just, awesome, awesome. Right. I got to mention um, Jessica Jones. Yes. Which, uh, released digitally, and, and I bought the, the trade a couple weeks ago. Oh, but, cool. Uh, the artwork there, oh, what's the artist's name? It's like Ulysses. Oh, I forgot the name. I'm following the artist, but the artwork on that thing is amazing. Um, might be my artist of the year. Just oh, wow. Gorgeous, gorgeous book. Um, yeah, it looks nice. Fun, uh, great character moments. Uh, sticking with Thompson, I need to shout out West Coast Avengers, which has also been like a joy to read. Uh, it's every so issue, so much fun. Yeah, right. It's a nice c- uh, continuation of uh, of Kate's Kate's story from Hawkeye. So that's that's wonderful to see. Um, I've I've just been loving that, and um, I want to shout out uh, if I could do two more. I you know yeah obviously. Um, Oh boy, now it escapes me. Um, oh, damn it. Uh, it's the retelling. It's the, it's the Wikipedia in art form book. Um, <laughs> it's the excellent Wikipedia book, but in art form. Um, oh, gosh. Oh, uh, Grand Design. Yes, Grand Design. <laughs> Take me a minute to catch where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Ed, Pisker. Ed Pisker has been ungodly on, on those. Uh, just been just a wonder to to peruse. Uh, if you, I don't know, Jason, if you had a chance to buy any of those large books. Uh, the no, overs- I didn't. I did get the physical copies mm-hmm. as they came out, but I didn't get. I haven't got any of the collections. Yeah, but if, if you have a chance next fantastic. year. Fantastic. Oh yeah, so that is just ungodly great. Uh, <laughs> all of the issues, and um, I want to also shout out to. Um, just quick mentions, Ant-Man and the Wasp was gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, Garone, I think he's my breakout artist of the year. Yeah. I know he's done stuff before this year. Mm-hmm. But, oh, man. I, he's, he's And he also just started his, his new Miles Morales book, and it was a little lighter for him, mm-hmm. like not as heavily inked and brightly colored, and still just awesome. I. I like him a lot. I'm really excited to see where his his career goes. For sure. Uh, Captain America has also been maybe – it has not been publicized very well, not promoted, but just maybe the best, consistently best uh, Marvel book that's been out this year. And um, I also want to shout out to uh, artist Adam Hughes, who we didn't really cover. Like, he didn't draw a lot of stuff that we – we we covered, but I've seen some of his covers and some Superman stuff that is just fantastic. Like he's yes. another like artist yeah. of the year for me candidate is Adam Hughes. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, those those alternate covers on either Action or Superman have been really really nice. Um, 
Yeah. Well, so I think I would echo a lot of what you said. I love Jessica Jones even more than maybe I thought I would. Um, West Coast Avengers is on, on my short list for sure. It's been a lot of fun. Um, still really enjoying um, Tom King's Batman. I think it's kind of sure. an obvious, obvious choice. Right, um, right. Also, in, there was another DC book I wanted to mention. Um No, I don't remember. Supergirl. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. I've been really enjoying the new direction and the new team on Supergirl. Um, and there's been a couple of different artists, um, but it's all been really, really good and really, really just I don't know. It really gets to who she is and mm-hmm. why she's a little bit different than Superman. Right. Um, and like her motivations are a little bit different. It's just been a really, really, really fun arc. Um. I think my my favorite book, though, that we don't really talk about on this podcast was probably, and I think it really pretty much ran like almost the entirety of 2018 before its last issue came out. And that was a Marvel two and one. Um, oh wow, yeah. By, by Chip Zdarsky and um, I think mostly just by uh, Skeety and Perez, one of the main two artists, um, and. Just really love that book and the lead up to the the relaunch and return of Fantastic Four. But that book had so much heart and so much character and man, it just it was such a, a fun read. It felt like the Fantastic Four even before they got back. Um mm-hmm. and speaking of which also I've really enjoyed Slot's FF so far. Yeah. Um and the different artists, uh but of course love um uh, starts with the P, Sarah Pacelli, of and um, and uh, Nico Leone also doing some some assisting on that work, which by the way also <laughs> maybe another obvious choice, but um, I know it's, it's about to come into a transition period, but 2018 another great year for Miss Marvel and Nico Leone's oh, art. Oh yeah, when G like that was a marriage in creative heaven between Gene Willow Wilson and Nico Leone was, and the colors, I forget the color guy's name. Um, but just did a, just a great cohesive, awesome book. Um, that's a book like Batman where you forget how great it is. Cause it's consistently wonderful. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like yeah. Every month is just, Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this is one of my faves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think uh, Marvel two and one though would be definitely one of my big big highlights. So cool. Well, we uh we're coming up on the two hour marks. So we should probably uh yeah. Thanks so much for that. for taking time away from the family, Jason. Yeah, I appreciate. Of course. It. Of course. So uh, Georgie, where I know we miss Dan and David. Where can guys find you and Dan? Uh, we are on Twitter at uh, Excalibros one. Uh, please hit us up. Uh, we'd love to talk any uh, Exiles or uh, Excalibur. Uh, I want to shout out to uh, well, shout out, but thank you again, Jason, for jumping on our uh, uh, Mojo Mayhem episode from a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, you can also find us at at Excalibros.podbean.com uh, at, uh, Excalibros uh, for the podcast. And uh, you know, uh, thanks, thanks to everyone who listens and. Um, Thank you, Jason, so much for such a, a great year chatting comics with you guys. With with yeah. you, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. 
So thank you guys for your contributions. And obviously, uh, and just again, go listen to them at Excalibros. It's a, it's a fun, great show. And your life would be better if you listened to it. So <laughs> <laughs> as far as the podcast, it goes Snick to course. Uh, Twitter is at Snickcast. Uh, show notes and stuff are at snickcast.podbean.com. And uh, we will get back to regular episodes as soon as we can. But thank you, uh, Georgie, for uh, for coming in today. And Dan, we miss you, but we'll get we'll get back to to that soon. Awesome! Thanks so much. All right. Well, everybody, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye bye. Bye bye. And snacked. <laughs>